Hello and welcome to another episode of the Sarah Zen Podcast. We are here to provide you with opportunities to learn, grow, and ground yourself. Thank you for joining us. Hi, this is Aniela, the Community Education Coordinator at Sarah Zen. In today's episode, I'll be talking with one of our legal advocates, Patty. Patty and I will discuss what it is that our legal advocates do and what tips she has for anyone who is considering going through the legal system and getting an order of protection. So hello, Patty, welcome, and thank you for joining us for this podcast. Hi, everyone. I'm Patty, as Aniela stated. I am uh, so happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me, Aniela. I am a legal advocate out of the Domestic Violence Courthouse in Chicago, located at 555 West Harrison. But we all call it 555 for short. There, I assist with people in filing for an order of protection and all of that good stuff. Thank you. Could you actually walk us through a day in the life of a legal advocate? Like, what's a typical day for you? Oh, typical. (laughs) So with COVID impact and COVID protocol still being in place, typical is not always what our days look like. It absolutely varies. So sometimes if we have return court dates, then we go ahead and resolve those first. And then once we get freed up, for the day, then it depends. Uh, Sometimes we answer the legal line, which has been an opportunity throughout the pandemic for us to still be able to assist people who want to file remotely. So when we free up, we either um, hop on the legal line or now that we have some in-person shifts at the courthouse, we can walk out and see who needs our help, who needs our assistance. We get pulled in to translate, not on the record, of course, but people who are filing that are in need of some translation. So it all really varies. Personally, I should speak on my behalf. I think that it's always the unknown of what is my day going to look like today? That really does keep me going and it keeps me entertained. But for the most part, if we have return court dates, then we attend to those. And then the rest of the day is kind of where we are needed. Thank you. Yeah, I I kind of knew that that was a trick question before I asked it, because I know that you all have just so many different kinds of situations that you're supporting clients with. And there's that new experience of being like both on Zoom, but also in person at the court, but then helping people as they go through court virtually. So lots of different complexities. So I wanted to ask you, what led you to decide to pursue this type of work? Was there anything in particular that drew you to want to work in the field of domestic violence services? Oh, I love this question. This is always my favorite question. Absolutely. So there was absolutely a time in which I said, DV is what I want to end up with. I will do whatever I have to do to get to that point. And it was for sure school. When I was taking some courses from an undergrad, there was a professor that is to this day my absolutely favorite person in the world who would bring in a professional each semester to talk to us about violence in the home, abuse, intimate partner violence, etc. And because I always took this professor's classes, 
I was able to sit in these trainings and these activities every single semester. And I never got tired of them. I always learned from them. And the universe just worked so beautifully that it ended up being Sarah's in. And so here I am. I am so honored to actually have ended up in this field. The more that I stay in this field, the more that I learn to appreciate it. Every day we learn something new. We come into contact with so many beautiful individuals, even if it's at the most vulnerable stage or phase in their lives. It's just always the learning experience and I will always thank that professor, school in general, for having put me where I am today. Thank you. What a what a cool story to share. And yeah. we're, we're grateful for that professor as well for creating that space in your classroom setting too. That's a cool experience. With that, there are a lot of different roles in this field, in the field of domestic violence services. And all of them are really crucial. So that's services like counseling, advocacy, youth education, and prevention. What specifically led you to be interested in working in the courts and on the legal side of things? Ooh, that, that's a very good question as well. It took me a while to actually figure out what portion of this field was um, what I'd be able to survive in, for lack of a better word. I would say that... All of those services are so crucial, and I'm so glad that I ended up with Sarazin that provides all of them, all of the above. But I think that I stuck to legal in the court system because of the fast pace. And I know it's um, I know it's kind of an odd answer, but it really works out for me. I, I have this passion for the court system and with all of its faults and, you know, loopholes. I, I love the environment and fast pace helps me. I think that I enjoy helping plenty at a time, again, in a fast paced environment. And it really did provide a break from counseling. Of course, you know, legal advocates still listen to the pain all week long, but I think that what helps myself is that it's pain that I listen to at short periods at a time. Once we're done with this order, then we take a break and then move on to the next one. And because each case is different, it kind of gives me, it gives me a break. For, for myself, it's easier to cope. It's easier to cope with everything that we're listening to. So absolutely, I think it's the fast pace that really helps me. I've had my share with counseling and kudos to all of our advocates and counselors here because it can get very draining. The fast pace really helps me with that. Thank you for sharing. I think that shows that you know yourself and you know what some of your needs are. And for every single person who works in the field, whether they're doing counseling or they're doing general advocacy or they're doing prevention programming, finding that space for you that's sustainable, like that's a, it's a long-term process. It's Yeah, and it's a challenge because you do hear a lot of really painful stories and you're, you're there through those really difficult moments at court too. Those are some of the most difficult moments for clients. So I want to switch gears for the next few questions and get into some of these details of what an order of protection is. So can you start by sharing what the order of protection is and when it may be helpful to someone who is being harmed by a partner? An order of protection is a written court order that is signed by a judge, signed and stamped by a judge. It basically requires an abusive relative, partner, roommate to stop any further abuse. I did want to emphasize, though, that these court orders, they vary across counties, they vary across state lines. 
we will always get that spiel from the judges. And um, an order of protection can be very useful, can absolutely stop any further abuse once it's um, active and if it's granted. But at the end of the day, it's a piece of paper. So the piece of paper will only be as good as the person enforcing it. What I mean by that is that it can be very powerful, but it's up to us to know how to enforce it, educate our clients and our victims to also know how to enforce these orders. So that way they could um, be as beneficial as possible. That way they have the tools and the resources and the phone numbers to know what to do when and if it becomes necessary to, to enforce it. So what stipulations can an order of protection include for someone who is experiencing harm and then gets one granted? We refer to these uh, requests or stipulations as remedies. There's different types of orders of protection depending on the relationship between the person filing and the person they're filing against. But for the most part, the remedies are very similar across counties. The paperwork might differ, but absolutely some of the important remedies that a person can request is asking the court for the person who is causing the harm to stay away, uh, so a stay away or no contact order. A person may also ask for something like exclusive possession of the home, the place where they're currently residing at. There's also a remedy that can allow the petitioner or the victim to ask for temporary care of any minor children, if there's any children in the picture. There's temporary financial support, child support, any protections of, of cars, any vehicles that the person may own, or if the person lives with any family members, their cars can be protected as well. Pets, pets are also a remedy on there. Other important addresses such as where the person may work. Uh, let's say there's children involved, the children attend school or daycare. That's also something that can be included on there. Another thing that I really wanted to emphasize is that just like the different orders vary depending on the relationship, there's also two types of an emergency order of protection that any person can request, and that is no contact by any means. So the name kind of says it all. It, it literally means no contact at all. It's a complete stay away order. The petitioner does not want any contact with the respondent, so the person they're filing against. And that includes text messages, calls, the person showing up to the residence, the person showing up to work. It also includes emails, faxes, written communication. Nowadays, of course, it has to include any contact through social media or communication through third parties. So that means I can't tell this person to let the petitioner know this. So, And then, of course, there's the no unlawful contact order. So this one, if it is granted, it allows the petitioner and the respondent to have contact, but the order will read out what contact is allowed and what contact isn't allowed. So any abusive behavior, such as you know physical abuse, harassment, stalking. So the court order will it will be written by a judge and stamped, and it will say this is what you can do and this is what you can't do. 
So it, it allows some wiggle room, especially if there's children involved, the parents can still co-parent and live together, but the court will order no, no abusive behavior. This one is more frequent also if the two are trying to live together or still maintain that contact. It can also be used to remove a member from the home if they're under the influence of any um, alcohol or drugs or both. It is also pretty common. It's, it's always beneficial for the people filing to be informed that there's another option or an alternative to not having contact at all. It's very important and it's a huge relief when the no unlawful contact order is explained thoroughly. Yeah, I appreciate you sharing that because we know that for every single person that we work with, their situation is different and it's their choice of how much contact they want to have or need to have realistically with the person, if it's parents of their children or if they share finances. And just giving more options, I think, is is so helpful. And, and the information that you all provide to people when they come to court or when they call the legal line. What does the court look for when deciding whether to grant an order or not grant it? Oh, okay. So this is a good one. And this is a very common one from our from the individuals that we help file. And there's a couple factors that um, that matter in this case. The judges take into consideration big time whether the abuse will continue and or escalate without the court's intervention. So, and the judges will flat out ask our petitioners, do you believe that the abuse will continue without the court's intervention? The judges also take into consideration the immediate danger. Basically, if if I don't grant this, will you be in danger? Another factor that sometimes does not work out in our favor is the time that has passed. So what I mean by this is the time between when the last incident occurred and when the person is filing. The reason why I say that sometimes it doesn't work out in our favor is because um, all of the lack of resources that are, that the petitioner may be experiencing. So. It could be they were completely isolated, so they weren't able to file anywhere. They didn't know where to go. Perhaps the lack of internet access, which is a huge one, has been a huge one during this pandemic. Maybe there wasn't abuse. You know, it got better for a couple years, a couple months, a couple weeks, and then stuff hit the fan again. So there's a lot of reasons why sometimes our petitioners um, let, you know, all this time go by. And unfortunately, sometimes uh, that can make or break. That timeline in between can make or break whether the judge decides to grant or deny the order. There is absolutely a couple factors, but we try our best to um, work with them. <laughs> yeah, thank you for sharing some of those barriers because, you know, it's, it's not easy to go to court for anyone, especially if you're still experiencing abuse oh, yeah. or isolation or, like you mentioned, barriers of transportation or language barriers or just not being aware of these options is, I know, a big barrier for a lot of folks and just not being aware that this even exists sometimes. Do you have any suggestions or tips for someone who's interested in getting an order of protection? So is there anything that they could be aware of beforehand or prepared for before they go to court. And so that could be like how long it takes, if they should bring any documentation with them, any tips or suggestions for what they should think about. Oh, absolutely. So 
There are actually a couple tips. I always tell people to absolutely become informed. I know it's a very hard and lengthy process, or it may seem like it is, especially when one is still very hesitant. Should I? Should I not? How do I do it? So the few tips that I would absolutely recommend would be become informed. So like I mentioned previously, orders you know vary across counties. So each county will have a website, a little overview of what an order protection is, where you can go. So I always recommend read a little bit. Um, contact your closest courthouse. Especially right now, because we're living in, you know, in a time where a lot of things are still remote. Luckily, throughout this year, some community members were able to come together and create what we refer to as our legal line. The legal line was very, very useful and is still to this day kind of like a hotline or it is a hotline where callers could uh, call and ask for assistance, ask any questions that they had regarding orders of protection, and they could file remotely. So you would have an advocate on the other line who is typing away as the petitioners are sharing what's going on and why they need this order. Order. The National Domestic Violence Hotline also. Of course, our lovely state hotline as well. They're, they're very awesome and they're up to date about the domestic violence and any shelters available. I actually wanted to provide the legal line and I will at the end. In regard to what should a person know or be prepared with, I always tell in, in, at the very beginning of any call that we answer, any conversation um, with the person who is looking to file, any evidence, any documentation that you have is, is very useful. So whether that's police reports, pictures, medical records, any notes of a, um, like the timeline that has been going on, anything is useful, calls, recordings. So have that in front of you. Not only will it make the process easier and faster, it will also make it easier for the advocate to, you know, have something to look back at or put on the affidavit. Something else also um, that I make sure to emphasize is that it, it's a process. It's a process, especially right now. As, as people may know, the courts and the judges are, are, are backed up and maybe even understaffed. It, it is always unfortunate that we have to let people know that it can take hours or it can take sometimes up to a full day or two days. It all depends. And then, of course, sometimes we have a holiday on a Monday, so then it pushes it back another day. So I always um, inform people, you know, or we always try to remind our folks to take a half day, take a full day. And it, and it's hard to, to have to suggest these things because we all know that sometimes um, taking days off from work or almost, you know, nearly impossible. So it is a very lengthy process. It is a lot of paperwork, but that's why uh, we have our advocates to make it smoother. And then I always, I always try to, you know, comfort clients with telling them, you know, it, it looks like a lot of paperwork, but a lot of it is, is uh, very repetitive. It's just, you know, us writing your basic information over and over and over again. So a lot of the times it does comfort them, and um, but we do what we can. And I wanted to mention that the legal line, the phone number is uh, 708-689-3422. Again, that's 708-689-3422. So this legal line is is on from Monday to Friday, 8.30 to 4.30. We're on there answering any questions, filling out all the paperwork to file remotely, providing different phone numbers across Cook County or other hotline numbers. So we, we get a we get a various amount of calls, but um, we're always here. So that's a that's a very useful number to jot down.
Thank you so much, Patty, for those suggestions and just giving an idea, giving folks an idea of what that process is like. And also, you know, the fact that there is help available, there's support available, there's advocates that are able to help walk someone through that process, because it can be absolutely overwhelming. And especially for someone who is not used to working in the court or not used to being in legal proceedings, right? So I also want to take a moment to recognize that being a legal advocate can be a really tough job. You walk with survivors in some of the hardest moments and assist them within a legal system that can sometimes not be very compassionate or attentive to their needs. What has been the hardest part of your work? Oh, (laughs) the hardest part. Um, Well, first, I really do. um, I wanted to say that I love what you said about working within a legal system that isn't always as uh, welcoming or um, easy for any person. I remember when I first started, it was it's it, it could be scary on any given day to any person. So it's always comforting to know that there are individuals out there that are willing to help and know how to help. But the hardest part of my job, I would say, is walking away from giving advice. So one of the things that the petitioners or our victims uh, ask all the time is, what do you think I should do? And in my head, I have all these, you know, scenarios or answers that I perceive as perfect and things like that. And it's having to say or having to, you know, break it down. Well, I I can't give any legal advice. And even though you know that this order could possibly change their lives, it's I think that that is always one of the hardest things. I'm having to step away, having to set those boundaries um, with the clients and ourselves and more specific to the legal advocate position, I guess, is clients dropping their emergency orders. So whether they go missing in action on us or show up to a court day and say, I no longer want this, when you know that it could be possible that they're being, you know, forced to drop an order. It's, you know, those are absolutely the hardest um, moments of, of this job. But, you know, it's, it's, it's a part of it. It's a part of it. We can only accompany someone on, on a path that they that they choose if it's something that no longer works out for them even though we we really wish that it would have worked out it, we have to respect what our what our clients uh, wish and and it becomes even harder when when you least expect it it's like whoa i didn't see that one coming but you know again it's just it's just a part of it Thank you for sharing that and for being a little bit vulnerable with your answer, because I think that's something that probably resonates for a lot of folks who are trying to support someone who's going through this or might be going through the legal system or going through an experience of being harmed by a partner. And we say at Sarah Zen that we don't we don't give advice. And that's not to say we don't share knowledge. Like We're always here to provide people with accurate information, with letting them know what their options are, supporting them with safety planning, connecting them to the resources and services that they need. But what we mean by that is like we don't make decisions for someone. And so it can be really difficult to sometimes take that step back and be like, you know, what? I respect whatever you decide and I'm here to support you in whatever way that you need. And I think it's a really special part of our work, but it's also challenging at different times. So thank you. I appreciate that. Kind of on the flip side, when things get difficult or when things are stressful, like what helps keep you going? What motivates you? What drives you and uh, helps energize you in this work? Well, (laughs) the good thing about this is that I have a lot more. The good thing is that I have more positive things to share than than the last question. (laughs) 
I think that what really keeps me going is the relief, the relief that any advocate is able to provide to families. Just um, even, even sometimes when you just explain what a term means, the amount of relief that you bring to them is, is very rewarding. And it makes you feel like all of this work is worth it, even on the toughest days. So, you know, it's, it's hard to even put it into words. I think that is my absolute number one. And then the kiddos is is always a big one for me. When there's when there's kids involved, it's always the kids that really keep us going. Sometimes it makes our cases even tougher, but other times it's it's what makes us um, get through the day when you know that uh, that the kids are also being impacted in a positive manner, and that years later they may remember you as the as a person that helped out you know, the parent or whoever the person filing is, it always makes it worth it. Those kids hold a a special place for all of us. And then last but not least, I would say that the sense of community, the sense of community really keeps us going. And um, not only in the field, but particularly here at at Sarah's End, no matter how hard the weeks are, how, you know, long this past year has felt it's I think it's the sense of community that when we're able to come together or chat for a couple minutes it's like we're we're all in this together so um, the sense of community always always helps it means a lot it literally has um, kept me in where I am today and I hope to keep it that way Yes, like the having a team, having a support system at work and elsewhere too is I think such a big help and especially this pandemic year has been really hard on oh on, on all of us here at Sarazen. And I know that the legal team is such a tight knit group. Really wonderful to see that. Um, yeah. Thank you so much, Patty. Thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your insights, sharing about your work and what drives you. I really appreciate it. If anyone listening has questions about the information you heard today, please reach out to us at our 24-hour crisis line. That number is 708-386-4225. And again, that's 708-386-4225. We can listen, we can uh, talk to you about some of your options, and we can also help connect you to our free services, and and even connect you to a legal advocate if that's something that you're looking to learn more about. Thank you so much for listening. You can follow Sarah's and Podcasts on Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts, and you can listen to past episodes and also see when we have new ones. We put out new episodes each month covering a wide range of topics like consent, teen dating tips, trauma information, self-care, and more, and in both English and Spanish. You can also view our podcast and other content at sarazintv.org. Thank you so much for joining us.